Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We are glad that you are joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Talking about women in ministry. Who enjoyed that last week with Pastor Angel and Pastor Huey? Amen. It, it was absolutely uh, just phenomenal. I first want to give honor uh, to our lead pastor, Pastor Huey, uh, who I call dad. Th- uh, just thank him for the opportunity to get before you uh, this morning to com- com- communicate God's word. Uh, will you pray with me this morning before we get going? Right, God, we thank you, Lord. I pray uh, that this morning that your Holy Spirit would fall in this place, God. I pray that your presence will be evident, Lord God. I pray that you would transform hearts and lives this morning, God, through the power of your word. God, we give you this time. We give you this space, Lord. Say, have your way in this house. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Well, guys, this morning, uh, I'm super, super excited uh, because of what I believe that God wants to do uh, this morning. And this is the first time I've gotten to preach on a Sunday morning uh, that I've been a dad. And so I'm super excited uh, about that. And one thing about being a pastor uh, and being a parent is you get instant sermon illustrations. And so I've always wanted to be able to do that because that's what my dad did to me growing up. Me and Ashley and the rest of my siblings and family were always used in illustrations. And so uh, so this morning, uh, the first thing I kind of want to paint involves our soon-to-be five-month-old Evelyn. And so been a dad for about five months, but before she was born, you know, during the pregnancy, we just prayed and sought God. You know, God, we just pray for a healthy delivery, for a healthy baby, for everything uh, to go uh, as you would have planned. And because it was our first child, we kind of really didn't know what we were doing. And so we just kind of made our plans based on all of the ideal situations and circumstances. So we set, you know, Angel's parents' flights and everything for like right around the due date. And, you know, all of these things as if everything would happen exactly how they should have happened. And so, you know, the pregnancy's going and, you know, everything's good. We're going to the doctor. We're getting ultrasounds. Everything uh, is going fine. And so one day we go for an ultrasound and everything wasn't fine. Um, And I remember... um, looking at the ultrasound and, and, and hearing the doctor's voice change and hearing her say, let's get you down to a specialist. And when I heard the word specialist, my ears perked up. And that was the first time I'd ever kind of had that, I want to make sure my baby's okay moment as a father. And so I had that moment and we go down, we see the specialist and they say, you know, something's wrong with her umbilical cord. They say that, you know, the nutrients aren't getting to her as they need to. And at this point, she was 36 weeks, almost 37 weeks. And, uh, and two days later, she was here. We went to the specialist that said, hey, we'll induce you in a, in, a, in a couple of days. We got a call the next day, said, come in tonight. And we had, we had everything planned. It didn't, go, it didn't go according to our plans. But... Before that, we found out Angel had gestational diabetes. And, and, and when we found that out, it was, a, it, it was very much 
uh, a God, what are you doing moment. Anybody ever have those God, what are you doing moments? And when we had that moment, because even the doctors were, were almost dumbfounded by it because she's like, you're in perfect health. Everything's going fine. It almost doesn't make any sense. But little did we know God was changing our plans behind the scenes because we wouldn't have had the ultrasound that showed us the problem had she not had gestational diabetes. And so God was behind the scenes working on our behalf, changing the plans of what we thought to fit his plans because it's not what we planned, but it's what God promised. And I believe that this morning God is going to change some plans so so that it would come out for his promises this morning. You believe that with me this morning? And so this morning, as we continue our series, The Other Half, I want to bring to you a message titled, Change of Plans. Change of Plans. And we can't talk about women in ministry. We can't talk about being empowered. We can't talk about women in leadership, women in and outside of the church without talking about Deborah. We can't do this without talking about Deborah. So if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your phones or whatever you use uh, that has a Bible on it, we're going to be in the book of Judges chapter 4 today. Judges chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, give you guys a second uh, to get there. In verse 1, it says, after Ehud's death, the Israelites did evil again in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazar, a Canaanite king. The commander of of the army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Hugoyim. Sisera, who had over 900 chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Labadath, who was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time, she would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. And we'll continue the story as we go on our journey this morning. But, but the first thing I want to bring out, the first point I want to make is the importance of getting vision. The importance of getting Vision. Deborah knew the importance of seeking God. She knew the importance of seeking God. She knew that it wasn't because of her natural giftings or natural abilities that her strength came from. It wasn't because of her position. It wasn't because of her authority. It wasn't because somebody pointed out a a leadership gifting in her. It wasn't because somebody communicated five tools for effective communication or ten things for great leadership principles or anything like that. It was simply because she knew who God was, and that's where her confidence came from. It's easy to think that we're all, you know, we can stick our chest out a little bit. You know, I'm a great communicator. I've got this. That's That's not it. It's because she knew God. It's because she knew God. And because of the situation the people of Israel were in, she sought God daily that God would deliver the people of Israel from the hand of corrupt leadership. So she prayed, God, deliver Israel from this this corrupt leadership, but also whatever part you want me to play in this, let that be. She sought God for a specific reason and inserted herself into what she was praying. She didn't pray for something she wasn't willing to partake in. She prayed and she sought God and she said, Lord, whatever you would have for me, that's what I want. 
She, and she didn't say send someone else. Sometimes, you know, we pray for God to bring healing. We pray for God to deliver. And we say, God, send someone who's going to help us get delivered from this situation. She said, no. If that's what you want, cool. But know that I will be that if you want me to be that. I want to challenge you. Don't pray for something you're not willing to partake in. Because we like the blessings, but we don't always like what's required to get the blessings. And sometimes that's going to require you to be in the thing that you're praying for. She sought God. She sought God. And then as she sought God, God began to give her insight. God began to give her wisdom. God began to give her divine revelation. God began to give her prophetic vision. And as God gave her prophetic vision, people began to come to her for wisdom. People began to go to her for advice. Because again, she didn't get this position because she was just that girl or that woman who just had it all together. She sought God. She sought God. People begin to come to her for wisdom, and eventually people will come to her for solutions, for problems, and for judgment. And that's how she was placed in the position of a judge. Even the men of Issachar came to her. And, and, and these were men of great wisdom. These were men who were in leadership. These were men who could discern the times. Even they came to her. Because of what she heard from God and the wisdom that he gave her. God didn't use Deborah because a man wasn't available. God didn't use Deborah because a man wasn't available. God used Deborah because she made herself available. Are there any women in here who say, I want to make myself available for what God wants to do? Don't, don't wait for somebody to say, hey, you can go do it. Deborah made herself available for what God wanted to use her for. God didn't use Deborah because a man wasn't available. In fact, great men of wisdom and leadership came to her. Deborah sought God for vision, not others. Deborah sought God directly for herself. Deborah didn't go and say, hey, man of God, is it okay if I seek God for wisdom? Or what's the vision that you're getting that I could get behind? Deborah sought God for herself. You don't need approval from others to seek God for vision, ladies. I'm going to step on some toes this morning. Is that okay? You don't need approval to seek God for vision. And some of you, you've, you've allowed people to speak negatively over you because you're a woman. But you've allowed the words of others to dictate how you think God views you. Oh, you know, you're a woman. You can't serve in leadership. Or you can't do this, you can't do that. Man, that must mean God just doesn't want me to serve in leadership. That must mean God hasn't called me. And, and you begin to have a skewed picture of God because of words that people have said. I believe God wants to reverse that this morning. I believe God wants to bring correction to some things this morning. How, you, how people see you isn't more important than what God says about you. How people see you isn't more important than what God says about you. And Deborah knew that. Deborah knew that. She sought God for vision. Continuing on with the story in verse 6, Judges 4, it says that one day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the, in the land of Naphtali. 
And she said to him, this is what the Lord of God Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabar. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to go to the Keshen River. And there I will give you victory over him. In verse 8, Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went to Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him, and Deborah also went with him. I love what verse 8 says. He said, I will go... But only if you go with me, only if you go with me, he, he knew that he needed the anointing that Deborah carried. He knew that he needed the anointing Deborah carried. Women, we need the anointing that you carry. We need the call of God on your life. We need you to operate in the fullness of what God is calling us to as a church, as a body to function as he's, in, as he's called us to function. We need the anointing that you walk with. Ladies, this is the perfect time for you to get involved and say amen. We need the anointing that you carry. You are not just an accessory or a side piece to the church that we can say that we believe in women in ministry just for political status, for social interaction. We need the anointing that you carry. Women in ministry is not just a sexy thing that we say. We need the anointing that you carry. Deborah had an apostolic anointing. Apostolic leaders, they're reformers. They want to improve or amend something that is wrong, corrupt, or unsatisfactory. They plot where the mission needs to go, even though they're not the ones who necessarily carry it out. Deborah had vision. Deborah had vision. She was a reformer. She was not, she was not just a judge. She wasn't just a small claims court judge. She wasn't. But people went to her for wisdom. She handled big things better than men. She was the only woman judge. She destroyed paradigms. She shifted culture. God is raising up women who are going to push through the current paradigms and be carriers of his presence. Are there any women out here this morning who said, I'm going to break through paradigms. I want to shift culture. I want to be a part of what God wants me to be a part of, regardless of what culture or what the church says. Deborah shifted the course of history, mobilizing God's people. She got vision. But after she got vision, they got ready. That's the second point I want to make this morning. Get ready. Get ready. Verse 9, it says, very well, she replied, I will go with you. But you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sesera will be at the hands of a woman. Even Barak didn't have, even though he didn't have the vision, nor would he be the one 
to carry out the final blow that would, that would get them victory, he still went to battle with her. He still went to battle with her. He got behind the vision that Deborah had. Men, this is your part. We need you to get behind the vision of the women in this house. We need you to get behind the vision. Because notice he didn't go in and try to shift it. He didn't go in and try to make some edits or make some changes and say, yeah, that sounds good, but let's do this or let's do that. Men, we are notorious for trying to fix what doesn't need fixing. God speaks to them just as clearly as you think he speaks to you. He understood that. He understood the vision didn't need to be changed because he wasn't the one who gave the vision. You can't correct something that's not yours. Men, you aren't the only ones who get vision. In Proverbs 28, it says, write the vision and make it plain. We always hear that, but we always associate it to men. Think about that. When have you heard that verse spoken and they were talking about women? Women, write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. Men, we need you to get behind the vision of women. And I've, 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 got, I've had to live this out because me and Angel, we pastor together. She's licensed. She's ordained just as I am. We have the same degree, literally, and she did better in school than me except for one course. And I hang that course over her head to this day. But, but... But she truly is my better half. I remember we were engaged for a year before we got married. And she was still out in, out in Los Angeles finishing school. And I was out here. But, I, I, but I, I was still doing student ministry out here. I remember having phone calls with her and saying, I need you. I need you. I can't do this by myself. And I remember when she got here, I was not just elated because I was now married and my wife was here. I was excited to get down deep into the ministry that God had us over to steward. And, and, and the vision that she got is the reason that we have the culture and student ministry that we do. But you guys see me as more of a talking head, but I'm not carrying out the vision that God gave me. She got that. And I just got behind it and said, okay. But, but, but could you imagine what I would have missed had I not done that? I had to get behind the vision that God gave her. And not only affirm her calling, but walk with her in it. It's easy for us to say, yes, go, go do ministry. But we don't really want anything to do with it, but we just say, go do it. It's a completely different thing when you're walking and your name's on the line, too. It's a completely different ballgame. Men, you have to walk through the vision with them, even though it's not yours. Get ready. Get ready. Verse 11, Judges 4, it says, Now Herbert the Kenite, descendant of Moses, brother-in-law Hobab, had moved away from the members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the, by the oak of Zenanaim near Kadesh. Verse 12, when Sisera told Barak, son of Abinoam, he had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for 900 of his iron chariots 
and all of his warriors, and they marched to Harasheth Hagoyim to the Keshen River. In verse 14, then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. And when Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and their warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariots and escaped on foot. And then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy and the armies all the way to Harasheth Hagoyah. Killing all of Sisera's warriors, not a single one was left alive. What I love about this is, then Deborah told Barak to get ready. She got the vision, but she told him to get ready. Men, we need you to get ready because the, because the women in this house have vision. And that's going to require something of you. He, he was the one who got ready. He was the one who gathered the troops and went to battle. And he said, the, the Lord, and she said, the Lord is marching ahead of you. He got behind a vision that wasn't his, and he got his people ready. He got the people ready for battle. If God gives you vision, he will also give you victory. If he gives you vision, he will give you victory. I want you to know that this morning because we get vision and we, and we see the beginning stages of vision. But if God will give you the starting point, you know that he has an end in mind. He who began a good work is always faithful to do what? Complete it. If he gave you vision, he will give you victory. He gave you vision. He will give you victory. You've got to be ready. You've got to get ready because we love getting vision. We love getting vision because getting vision sounds cool. We're going to have a vision casting day. Everybody loves casting vision. But notice how when you cast vision, you've got people around you. But when you get neck deep in mud and gunk and the stuff that's required to walk that vision out, and you look around and you wonder where everybody went, we need people who are going to be in the trenches. We need people who, who, who are really to, to let some bullets fly around them because you don't get vision without going to battle. And where I want to land this plane this morning is stake your claim. You get vision. You get ready. And then you stake your claim. Continuing in this story, Judges 4, verse 17, it says, Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Herber the Kenite, because of Herber's family, was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazar. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in and don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket and said, he said, please give me some water. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if I'm here, say no. Hmm. 
This is my favorite part of the story. JL, she was an ordinary woman. She was a basic housewife. No special traits, characteristics, qualities. She wasn't in leadership. She wasn't a judge. She didn't have any special training or education or anything that would qualify her or give her a status symbol um, that was important. She spent her whole life watching because she married into a family that was on good terms with the king. In most people's minds, she would be so-and-so's wife. Ladies, you are more than so-and-so's wife. I'll just leave that right there where it is. But you were more than so-and-so's wife. But she was an ordinary housewife. She spent her whole life watching. But little did she know God was about to move her from watching to winning. God was about to move her from watching to winning. And what's the, once the army fled, Sisera was right in front of her. They were face to face. And she had a choice to make. She had a choice to make. Was she going to stand or was she going to strike? Was she going to stand or was she going to strike? And some of you, you find yourself face to face with the enemy in front of you and you've got a choice to make. But again, she was a basic housewife. She wasn't in battle. She wasn't in leadership. But she found herself face to face with the enemy. It wasn't what she planned, but it's what God promised. It wasn't what she planned, but it's what God promised. And in that moment, she had a change of plans. She had a change of plans. And I believe God is saying today is the day for some of you to change your plans. Even though this is not what you planned for, this is not the situation you thought you would be in this afternoon. But she was standing face to face with the enemy and she had a choice to make. Was she going to stand or was she going to strike? And I believe God gave her divine wisdom in that moment. I love that God gives us what we need exactly the moment that we need it. She, he gave her wisdom. She invites him into her tent because her husband and her family were on good terms with the king. But as they're standing face to face, he probably is thinking in the back of his mind, oh, this is just JL. JL this, is, this is just so-and-so's wife. I mean, okay, cool. I've got this. I'm good. He didn't think much of her. He just thought she's just a woman. And there was no one else around. She was just a woman. What can she do? He didn't see her as a threat. He didn't see her as a threat. But ladies, you need to know that you were a threat to the power of darkness. You're going to make hell regret the day the enemy thought that you were just a woman. Make hell regret the day that the enemy thought, oh, you're just a woman. There's no one around her. There's no one behind her. Ladies, it's time to take your place. It's time to stand up and strike. It's time to say, I'm changing my plans, even though this has been said. It's time to get up. It's time to go to battle. Is anybody in this house say, I'm ready for a change of plans? I'm ready for a change of plans. 
there was a peace treaty that Jael's family and the king had. Because it says in verse 17, they were on good terms. They were on good terms. I don't know if you want to be on good terms with a corrupt king. Here's the problem with peace. She had peace with the enemy. She had peace with the enemy. Some of you have peace with the enemy. And you say things like, Satan, I won't mess with you. Enemy devil, I won't mess with you if you don't mess with my family. I won't mess with you, Satan, if you don't mess with my marriage. I won't mess with you, Satan, if you don't mess with my finances or my kids. You can't have a peace treaty with the enemy because the enemy's a liar. Some of you need to break some peace treaties you have today. She had a peace treaty with the enemy. Peace with the enemy paralyzes the power that God wants to use in you. You can't have peace with the enemy. What means more to you? Peace with the enemy or peace with God? Because you can't have both. You really can't have both. He came into her tent. And she had a choice to make. She invites him in, gives him some milk, covers him up. And the funny thing is, is that he's still trying to tell her what to do. Even though he needs what she has. He comes in. He gets his milk. He's nice and relaxed. Got his feet up. She covers him up. And in that moment, in that moment, mm, 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 she had a choice to make. And I believe her choice was already made. But keep in mind, she's just a basic housewife. But when you walk in obedience, I don't care who you are, I don't care what your title is, God will put you in the position that you need to be in, regardless if you've gotten the affirmation from anyone else. You don't need to wait for affirmation to be used by God. You don't need to wait for a good word from brother so-and-so to step up into your place into the kingdom. And she made her choice. But she did, but she looked around and she remembered, man, I'm not in battle. I'm not in leadership. I don't have a sword. I don't have anything to use. She wasn't in the army. She wasn't chosen for battle. Don't sell yourself short because you're not a pastor or you're not a leader or you feel like you're not an influencer because you don't have the title. Don't sell yourself short. She didn't have a sword, but what she needed was in her tent. What she needed was already in her possession. What you need is already in your house. What you need is already, you already have it. 
You already have it. Don't wait for somebody to hand you a sword to fight. You've already got it. God's already equipped you. He's already placed it on the inside of you. Some of you, you've been waiting too long. You need to stop waiting and start working so that way you can start winning. God has called you to win, but you can't win if you're sitting there waiting. You can't win if you're just standing, if you're not ready to strike. You've got to change your position. You've got to change your position. You've got to break the peace treaty with the enemy and say, you know what? I'm time, it's time to play offense. It's time to play offense. Ladies, God is calling you to play offense. Don't wait for somebody to hand you a sword. What she needed was already in her tent. It's always, and it's already in your house. But here's the thing. It's got to move from being in your house to being in your hand. It's got to move from being in your house to being in your hand. It, the sword on display looks good, but it's ineffective. The word of God sitting on your dining room table looks good, but it's got some dust on it. You got to pick that thing up. You've got to pick up what God has placed in front of you. It's in your hand. And once it moves from being in your house, it moves to being in your hand. But watch this. Once it moves from being in your hand, you can strike it to the enemy's head. And Judges 4, continuing the story, we're about to wrap up. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him. With this look in her eye, with this thought in her head, and she crept up with a hammer and a tent peg. Anybody got a hammer and a tent peg in your house? The thing that you thought was useless? And then she drove the tent peg through the temp through his temple. And he fell to the ground and died. And when Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and she said, come and I will show you the man you're looking for. So, she, so he went to the tent and followed her. And Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. Today's the day that the enemy, he's been laying in your tent. And God says, today's the day to strike. Today's the day to strike. What you need to win the battle that you're in is already in your possession. But you've got to change your plans. She had a decision to make and she changed her plans. Three things that we take away from this morning. Deborah got the vision. Deborah got the vision. And Barak supported the vision that she got. Supported the vision that she got. Men, we need to support the vision of the women around you. And JL is the one who carried out the vision. You've got to know just because you get vision doesn't mean you're going to be the one on the other side of it. But this morning, God says, change your plans. Change your plans. It may not look like how you thought it would look. I didn't think the birth of my, our daughter would look like 
how it looked, but it's what God promised. It's not what we planned, but it's what God promised. You may be in a situation and it's, it doesn't look how you thought it would look. It's not what you planned, but it's what God promised. That's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. Or if you have to send us a prayer request for prayer, please email us at amen at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.